And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, just when you thought things couldn't look any more dire for the Cowboys, Zach Martin goes down and the Cowboys get blown out at home. The Arizona Cardinals on Monday Night Football, but hey, they're still at the top of this division. So anything's possible when it comes to the big picture. We're going to look for more silver and blue linings today on About Them Cowboys. So welcome in as we break it all down with the best of the best when it comes to covering America's team. But hey, did you know you could be listening to this show completely 100% ad-free on the Athletic app? Yeah, if you go to theathletic.com slash Cowboys, cash in your membership for the next year at the rate of a dollar a month. That's right, a dollar a month over at theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. You could be maybe reading Father John Mashoda's article, post-game article, while listening to this podcast over there. So do that. And also that includes our coverage across every single vertical we have here at the Athletic, not just NFL, not just Dallas Cowboys. So get over there, theathletic.com slash about them cowboys and uh cash it in. So all right, let's welcome in the panel. First from the Athletic and Sports Radio, 1310, 96.7, The Ticket, Saad Youssef, and The Athletic's own, Father John Mishoda. And of course, leading the charge, as always, is Kevin K.T. Turner. Guys, wow, where do we start with this one? I imagine we're not going to go play-by-play through this one, K.T. <laughs> Yeah, you know, generally, yeah, we'll run through chronologically, talk about some of the big events in the game, but uh, this game was not really much of a game for uh, really most of the second half. Yeah, really, really about all the game, the entire game. But um, I, I, I have this trouble, and uh, I'll, John, I'll let you weigh in on it. I have this, like, in my head, I'm like, man, if we start, like, immediately, like, giving up on the division now and just saying that this team sucks and it's over, then we're going to be doing this for, like, 11 weeks. <laughs> Um, cause I don't know if this thing turns around, uh, where are you on this man? I, I don't know. I actually picked this team to win that game last night and I'm a little embarrassed by that. So, uh, fire away, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of people talk about you know, how bad this division is and they can still win divi- division. It doesn't matter though. Like, I don't even think that they're better than the Eagles right now. So I don't to win the division, you gotta, you're going to have to win out and at least beat the other teams in the division and, I mean, while I think they'll do that to Giants and Washington, like I think the Eagles are clearly the better team right now. Uh, they weren't when when Dak was healthy, you know. But with Dak out, I mean, I'm not sitting here. I'm not going to just you know rip Andy Dalton. And I kind of wrote about this in what I wrote for this morning. Is just like, I, I mean, I don't know how many quarterbacks would have had much success behind that offensive line, especially after Zach Martin went down. But it was just very clear throughout that game when I was watching. It was just like. Are there still people that are on the fence about paying Dak Prescott? Like this team is just a lot different, especially on the offensive side of the ball when, when he's out there. And that's that's one positive that you can kind of take away from this rest of the season is I think you're going to get a lot of validation for anybody that was on the fence about paying Dak um, that that's your best plan with this team. And then the other part of it is, is and, and again, I do think Andy Dalton will play better going forward, and I think that he'll get some better protection. I mean, my hat's off to him for just even finishing that game with some of the hits he took. Uh, blitzes that just weren't even being picked up. Like, I mean, just getting annihilated back there. But with it being said, it just reminds you a little bit of like, you know, when, when Romo went down in 2015 and then they had to bring in, you know, Matt Castles and, and Brandon Whedon's, and you got to see for a second, hey, this is how bad it can be. If you think you can just bring in another quarterback and just keep this thing rolling, oh no, it can get really bad. And so uh, I'm not saying they would have even won that game last last night with, with Dak, but it just when I was watching that game, it made me think a lot about how how much better of a position he puts them in. And uh, and, and yeah, they're in, and that's without even talking about the defense because 
I know we'll talk about it, but it is just they're so bad that it's just like, I mean, stop with the, oh, they didn't have a, a full off season and it's a new off or a new defensive coordinator and there's a new transition from a four three to more three four looks like, okay, that's fine. So we'll say they're not as good as they were last year. Take me from week one to today. Like, where are the improvements there throughout the season? There should be improvements. They're getting to practice with, with each other every week. And it was kind of wild to hear Mike McCarthy say after the game that they're coming off their best week of preparation. He thought that they've had all season. So that's obviously not good. But um, yeah, just it was interesting because the way the game started, I was like, oh, the defense came here to play three, three, three straight punts. What is this? And it was like, soon as things started falling apart, it was like, whoa, guys, 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 hey, we're the defense over here. We're not going to be able to, no, no, no. You can't give them short fields. We don't We don't do that stuff. All right, hey, we're checking out. We'll see you later. And really that Kenyon Drake run at the end, that stuff shouldn't be happening. When they're trying to just run out the clock and this guy goes untouched up the middle like that for 69 yards, that's embarrassing. Yeah, and I think just to piggyback off what, what John's saying, I think, you know, when you look at, well, two things. First of all, I, I was frankly surprised by how long they kept Andy Dalton in the game. I thought they turned to Ben DiNucci a lot sooner than that because, you know, some of those hits that he was taking, it's not that he was just getting hit and sacked. It was like there was that one that, that came off the right side. I think it was Buda Baker, but I'm not exactly sure, where he just like where, where he got speared. And, and I couldn't believe that, you know, they, they would keep him in for as long as they did. But our friend Bobby Belt had, I think, the uh, the the great defensive stat of the of the night last night. Um, he said Dallas has allowed fourteen passing touchdowns, ten rushing touchdowns through the first six games. The last team to do that, Mike Nolan's two thousand and five San Francisco 49ers. So I think oh uh, you know <laughs> I think that says that that says quite a bit there. Yeah, no, there's a lot and. There's a lot of what you guys said that I want to kind of jump on. We can take it a little bit further. Uh, you know, the Mike Nolan thing, I still I'm uncomfortable just placing blame on him. He, you saw in that touchdown run, he had guys not trying hard. Now that's a problem. Does that happen for Marinelli? Yeah, I don't Marcus know. Lawrence Probably. could not could not have given less of a crap at them on that last play. Oh, J- Jalen oh as well. I, I watched a clip of that that run again this morning. And there's Jalen not trying either. Thank so those God. are your guys, Jalen and Demarcus Lawrence. Those are the guys. Yeah, Jalen, and go watch Jalen's effort on uh, on DeAndre Hopkins' long long play on that on that. Oh uh, I know, I know, you're it, talking it about effort, really Todd. I think that's as fast as he can go. I truly do. And maybe no, this is not just, on the play Sod's talking about on the, on the DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins touchdown. Up. <laughs> No, on the Hopkins touchdown, he clearly is like, whoa, 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 I'm not I watched him. it. It looked <laughs> There's like three other guys running next to me. Like One of them might catch him. He just can't run as fast as everybody. No, his straight, mean, line, speed like ain't, his straight line speed ain't that bad. It's his side to side. But no, um, no, he could have he could have put forth a, a better effort to run him to run. It looked down like a, a mirror of that, that uh, Odell Odell play where he's just like <laughs> four. Yeah, four, but at least four the Odell behind I do, everybody. <laughs> yeah, but Odell, I felt like he he was going all out on that play. He was too late on it, but. At least he was going on. No, I know exactly what Sad's talking about. I didn't look good. I guess where I'm at is, and again, I'm I'm doing this before we go into the whole thing of this is uh, over. This thing's all burned down. Last night, going into last night's game, I had two things that I was kind of looking for. Um, one, I want to keep this in mind that Mike McCarthy's a guy who has gone and has done good things with backup quarterbacks before. Maybe not so much Brett Hundley, but Matt Flynn. I mean, Matt Flynn, probably not seen as as good of a quarterback as Andy Dalton in the day, you know. Now, you could talk about offensive line. There was a lot of injuries, but they ended up, you know, being able to keep their head above water, finding a way to piece together game plans and get that Packers team to the playoffs. Um, Now, I realize it's a completely different team. I'm I'm not doing that comparison. But I was looking for Mike McCarthy's presence to be felt yesterday. And I didn't see that. And I know I'm not, I'm not coming off as blame everything on McCarthy guy right now. I want you guys to hear me out. But, like, to me, and I got nervous about this during the week uh, on one of Jerry's interviews on The Fan, and I forget which day it was, on Tuesday or Friday, when Jerry made the comment about we have to change our expectations, Zeke involved, you know, we got to establish that running game, really try to, you know, manage a lead and things like that. And I realized that Andy Dalton was probably going to take some hits either way. But 
until they were down by 21 or 28, to me it wasn't terribly noticeable that that offensive line was getting killed. There was a couple plays in the first quarter, I know, where Andy Dalton was getting killed. And you know what? Andy's got to get rid of the ball on a couple of those. And he actually extended a few plays. But, like, the whole idea of they came out, when your defense got a stop in the first three series, they were not trying to play aggressively and throw the ball down the field. And if you're not going to try with house money, a game up in the standings, at home, against a bad defense, if you're not going to try to be a little bit aggressive, a little aggressive, then what are we doing? Because the strength of this team is the wide receivers. And I know the wide receivers didn't have a great night either. Uh, but the yeah. strength of this team is the wide receivers. The strength is not lining up Zeke, pounding him into a bad offensive line. And that's before Zach Martin got hurt. That offensive line's not good. You can't line up and establish the run like you used to. But that was the mentality going into the game. I guarantee you it was. The owner said it, and then you could just kind of see it. First drive, okay, hand off to Zeke. Check down, let's get comfortable here, let's get comfortable. Well, by the time you've done that, it's 21 nothing. Your defense, as you said, John, can't hold on that long. And now the fumbles come into play, and that's a whole other topic that we could talk about. But, like, I thought it was a cowardly game plan, quite honestly. They did exactly what I feared they would do, and I banked on them not to do that when I picked them to win, and they did it anyways. It's frustrating. Yeah. KT, let me just say this. Uh, I, I think I agree with you, but I will also say I don't – this was Andy Dalton's first game in a while, um, and – you know, I, I agree that, you know, they should have taken more shots down the field and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think it was on the second drive where uh, where Brandon Knight, like, didn't get off the line of scrimmage. And I don't know what that does for a quarterback's confidence, how much it shakes it when you're back on your own five-yard line and your left tackle literally does not get out of his stance. I mean, come on, you know, and on that play – you know, he kind of, he manages to avoid a safety and find Zeke for, for a short gain. But, but again, I think that's the thing is where, you know, I don't know how much that kind of, I, I believe that was literally the fourth or fifth play of the entire game or something like that. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like Andy Dalton's confidence had to be a little shot as well. So, yeah, and, and uh, that's after a 12 man in the huddle penalty. Okay. And also, Brandon Knight, I mean, he probably couldn't hear the snap count because of all the fans in the stadium. Well, there is something to be said for with an offensive line, especially one that is the patchwork group that they are, that I didn't really have a problem with the game plan going in because, again, like we don't get to see all of practice. They might have looked really bad in practice. And the thing is with offensive lines is that if you know it's shaky to a certain extent, you would, would rather like start off conservative and so that they can build up a rhythm. And, and we've seen this with offensive lines where, you know, they might start off shaky and then they get better as the game goes on. And I think that's what the game plan was hoping for is that, hey, this this might be bad. Like there might be some 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 problems here. So let's just kind of ease into this thing and not not have Andy get killed on the first two series or, or throw just a couple of picks because he's just running for his life, scared and just throwing something away. And then they make some plays and it, it and it steamrolls, whatever. Um, to be honest with you, like I really didn't have that much of a problem with the game plan, even up until that point, because of the fact that if you don't have those two fumbles, I mean, it was still zero zero at that time. It wasn't like they did anything to, you know, it's not like they did anything with the game plan that was like throwing it away. It's it's the fumbles that that threw the thing away, and those were on plays that were were positive plays. And so, uh, um, I didn't I didn't hate the game plan early on. And and you're right though, it was expected. I mean, there that that was no surprise. You knew that. We knew that. The Cardinals knew that that they were going to be conservative early on. I mean, heck, on those first, I think it was six plays. It was either a handoff to Zeke or they threw to Zeke. And uh, so it was very clear what they were going to establish there. And he's their big money back and. They don't have Dak Prescott. I mean, that makes sense why you would look towards him early on to kind of maybe ease into the game. But then when he fumbles on back-to-back series like that, well, then you're really in trouble. And and to me, it just felt like they were like biding time almost. though. like, okay, eventually Kyler's going to start hitting a couple of throws. You know, because Kyler was, I mean, quite frankly, he really never did. You know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, and and, and honestly, nine completions. They were for like. There are big bombs, though. Nine complete. Okay, hold on. Yeah, he had some big bombs. He also throws a ton of passes. We were like, where was that to? Like, there's yeah. there, there's a lot still. I understand, like, I get 
the fascination with him, especially his running ability, because he's a freak and and he's got a big arm. So I get all of that, but he certainly wasn't cutting them up. Like, you know, I mean Dude, no, he he looked bad against the Panthers and the Lions earlier in the season too. Like he's had some really bad games or like big question marks. Like he he still has to have that running game. Now he's a magician there. My goodness. But like he has to have that because I don't think he's that pure passer. And I don't know. I don't know if he'll ever develop into that. I really don't. Um, but it just still felt like they were biding time, biding time, and that defense was going to give up points. But now we go to Zeke. That S can't happen anymore. And we knew that going into the game, and then it happened two more times. This is now, yeah, it's insensitive. I'm going to say, anyways, it's now a fumbling epidemic with him. It's a problem. And I, quite frankly, Amanda McCarthy, I know, said like on the halftime report or whatever, which apparently during each halftime reporter gets way more uh, uh, from McCarthy than uh, anyone else can get during the week. Because uh, he'll just go, tell, I'll tell her. But he said, um, you know, that he didn't tell Zeke anything because Zeke knows. Does he know? Like, I don't, like, I'm not saying, like, I think Zeke's competitive. I think Zeke wants to win all this stuff. But man, that's some lazy ball handling. My Both biggest times, take- and everyone knows, as you've mentioned before, he can't. He only carries it in his right hand. He can't carry it in his left hand because of his his wrist. And it was a great point that I didn't even know about when you brought that up a couple weeks ago. Everyone knows you're going to be carrying it there, so you better have it tucked away because they're going for one part of your body. It keeps happening, and my, that, you paid him. That and was so, my biggest. That was my biggest takeaway. Was that. That clearly these teams are have seen it on film that this is oh, yeah. this oh, isn't yeah. like a oh this was an accident he just lost the football like no they're going after it uh, that's clearly something that they're working on that um, and, and he understands that too I mean that's what he said after the game I mean I'll tell you what I mean he he certainly took the blame for it after the game I mean, he put the game on him uh, he, he said he was sorry apologized like how often you hear a player say that after a yeah. game. Um, and he completely understood why he was taken out to start that next series. I think the first eight plays of that, the following series after the second fumble, Tony Pollard was in there, actually played pretty well. Um, but then Z came back in, but he knew why he was out. I did, I did find it amusing that it's funny when a guy like Brian Broaddus or somebody like that on Twitter throws something out there and it just like, it just hits gasoline to a small little flame. Like he mentions, yeah. he mentions in those sleeves. I, and I don't know if it was just Brian, but there's other, and that, I mean, that just took off. It was like, it's the sleeve, get the sleeves off of him. It's like, he's been wearing those things for, I mean, he only had three fumbles all of last season. Like, I don't think it's necessarily the sleeves, but I, I, I get why people are looking for things. Cause even after the game, he didn't even, he doesn't know he doesn't have, a, I mean, it's not like he doesn't work on this stuff in practice. That's a major part of being a running back is ball security. So, um, while you sit there and say that KT, you're like, you know, this can't keep happening. Well, yeah, it can't, but I don't, I can't sit here and tell you right now. Oh, it won't. No, 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 no. It won't KT that what we saw on Monday night, that was it. It's over with. They've got that problem fixed. Uh, I don't no. think that they do. I mean, until until you go through full games like that. And here's the other thing. It's like, we see that and we're just like, oh, this is happening again. Like, you got to think like the teammates are thinking that. And and I almost feel like that oh my God, in a way yeah. fed into the defense being like, our bell cow running back, like first our quarterback's down. Then we lose our, our best offensive lineman after we've just been losing offensive linemen like crazy. And now the guy that we lean on most is going to fumble and lose the ball not once but twice on back-to-back drives. Like at some point, like you can just see how that that that, that gives into the team and, and, and it, it affects the other side of the ball too. Yeah, and I think also with Zeke's fumbling, like, you know, it, it, there's not like a clear, I, I don't think it's the sleeves like, like John said, but also like, you know, it's not like it's a complete mystery either because like KT said, it's just such a lazy ball handling and you can, and you can see that. I mean, and, and you know, Running backs go through this from time to time. You know, Tiki Barber did early on or at some point earlier in his career, and then he kind of got that fixed because he became the high and tight guy, right? Because because he was fumbling so much. But I, again, Zeke has to. The, the second one um, was just no. I'm sorry, not the second. Was it the second one or the first one where you know? Actually, I think it was the it was the first one where the first he was one, just yeah yeah where Buddha Baker came and just and, and just knocked it out. I mean, dude, you're not you did. He didn't even tuck that ball in. He's just holding it out 
like 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 he's running in the open field, not literally in the middle of the defense. So that's the stuff that is very improvable, and 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 it just absolutely can't happen. Hey, you know it's kind of wild you mentioning that, <laughs> and it just fits perfectly with that game. How much does Kyler Murray run with the ball just out in that one hand like that? Like it's almost like it's like was this Harlem Globetrotters? Like, are you serious right now? Like just reaching it out, putting it aside. Like he's ten yards past the line of scrimmage and he's still holding it. Like, hey, they they know you're not going to throw it at this point. You can like tuck it away. Like it is kind of amazing that like how he runs like that. Um, but yeah, you're right on the point with that that side. Like it's it looks it looks bad. It it really does, and it. It's just kind of interesting to me, like I said, that only three times he fumbled all of last season, and he's got five in the last five games. Like, I mean, I feel like I feel like even on like routine runs up the middle now, everybody that they face is are going to be taking swings at it, trying to get like balls that like normally you wouldn't even try and swipe at because you just don't have a chance. Like they're going to be coming after everything with him. Five fumbles, four of them lost, and I think that's probably you know half the story too. Is that when you don't jump on it, and that's a tough thing like that's a there's no more of a coin flip in sports than a football laying on the ground and who gets it right um but if going through Dak had three fumbles and he lost all three of those um but going down the list so five uh it's Joe Burrow Derek Carr Carson Wentz all have five fumbles the next non-quarterback uh on the list is Keenan Allen with two it's just a bunch of quarterbacks and Zeke has five Three more than any other, you know, non-quarterback position player. Uh, and that's a problem. And I'm sitting here going, okay, you start Tony Pollard next week? I don't know. You can't have Tony Pollard in there all the time because of pass protection. And God knows pass protection is going to be a bit of an issue. And with Zeke being paid, being the veteran, I know they're going to roll with him. But I, I, I'm i with you, John. I, I think it's going to be one of these things for the rest of the season where every time Zeke gets tackled, maybe you're keeping your eyes on the screen just a little bit closer to make sure that the ball didn't pop out. And it sucks that that's where we're at, but that uh yeah, that's where we're at. <laughs> who, who do you guys think who do you guys think played well yesterday? Like rip off some names of some players for the Dallas I Cowboys. Pollard okay. Ran well. Agree. There's one. Uh Trevon um, Diggs maybe. Right. Him. Okay. Two. I agree. Diggs. I just don't I think we're going to get I don't Amari. think we're going to get past like 5 or 6 to be honest with you. I thought Amari I was Lamb. fine. Lamb absolutely sure. Uh-oh. Um, you know who I thought was pretty good? Uh, I thought I thought, I thought thought he not good in like a dominant way, in a flashing way, was rookie Neville Gallimore. Okay. Saw him a couple times. Um, what about Rachel Ryan Justin made his extra point? Yeah, and then what happened on that 57-yarder or whatever? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, got to cut the score to 28-6. to six. Yeah. Yes, yeah. um, we can get this to 22. I guess he was trying to get it to a three-score game technically, but I thought Justin Hamilton was okay. Um, I think the, I thought, the biggest. I thought, I thought Tyler Biedich was 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 you know not terrible. Like I mean, I and, agree. And the more the more you can not see the center uh, or not notice the center, that means he's doing his job. And I just don't think I think it, maybe it's amplified because of how bad the tackles are. But but I thought he was pretty. I thought he was all right. Yeah, no, no, dude. The, the interior offensive line, without looking at the the all twenty two yet. Um, the interior offensive line, to me, was fine. Now, again, this is going to be a little different when you go take on, you know, Chase Young and Jonathan Allen in uh, the Redskins defensive line who's going to attack you a little differently. The, the Cardinals are all about exotic blitzes, and they are going to try to attack you from the outside. They don't, they're not trying to get a lot of pressure on the interior unless it's through a blitz which is definitely tough because your communication comes into play and things like that. But off the top of my head, I can't sit here and tell you that Connor Williams, uh, Beatish, and the milkman, Connor McGovern, were bad last night. I can't, I can't say that I know that. Next um, question. What area of the team are they better at right now than they were last year? Wide receiver. Okay. Yeah, that's about it. And I wonder yeah, if that's because they drafted some kid out of Oklahoma named CeeDee Lamb. So, well, uh, congratulations. Uh, kicker. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, yeah, We're it, building. We're C- building. CeeDee Lamb over Randall Cobb, right? That, that's it. Uh, kicker. Um, I, w- I would say I would say before the injury, quarterback. 
And now I'm out of a I'm out of guesses there, buddy. All right, um, my last one. My last one here. I thought they'd be better. Everson Griffin is apparently not good anymore. Well, that's and why I'm glad you just said that because that's the next your, thing I was getting to. I liked your question the other week, John, of if you could keep five players from the defense, who would it be? <laughs> and we couldn't even name five that we would keep. <laughs> the whole so I, that, one, that one stunned me. When, when stunned. John I was like, wow. That, I, was, yeah. I was surprised at how I couldn't name, uh, couldn't name five that I would keep. So so during the game, I just I have this thing in my, in my notes in my phone where I, I, I keep all like the off-season moves and things like that just to have them available if I need it. And so I went through the free agency additions, and I just remember thinking like, hey, for a team that doesn't spend much in free agency, this is a pretty strong class. Let me go through the names. Everson Griffin, Don, Don Terry Poe, Gerald McCoy, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, Daryl Worley, Cam, Cam Irving, Blake Bell, Greg Zerline, and then Andy Dalton and Alden Smith. So Alden Smith and Andy Dalton, obviously, those were good signings. The others, Blake Bell, too. Blake Bell's a good yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, Blake Bell. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, and Zerline, I guess, is okay. Uh, but outside of that, <laughs> wow. Not much there to fill those holes. I don't know. They, it's typical Cowboys free agency, though. You know? Yeah, it's see, uh George Ilocas and name all the guys that they bring in that just never do anything for you or never bring anything to the table for you. You know, I thought, honestly, thought Dontari Poe would have flashed something this this time. I mean, he, he's is he completely washed up or what? Oh, he's, what the he's flashed there? that they need to address defensive tackle very yeah. early in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's like, good. I seriously, like, I'm, I'm, on, I'm all about, like, I know people are really down on the offensive tackles, but like, I don't. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what what is the future is for Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, but I at least see some hope there. I don't see much hope at defensive tackle. If there's a decent defensive tackle there in the first round, like you've mentioned before, KT. I mean, this is a coach that had BJ Raji. He went out and they drafted Kenny Clark. Like they need they need some help in the middle of that defense bad. And if I don't think for any other reason than just look at their rushing stats every week, like the rushing yards that this team gives up. Like I, I don't know. I know it's not. A, a necessarily a really sexy position that's going to get everybody pumped up like getting cd lamb and I, they definitely need help at defensive back don't get me wrong but like defensive tackle is so bad right now looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I have a hard time too, and I know when people listen to this, there, there might be a lot of people who whose immediate reaction might be like, "Yeah, but the injuries," and I understand that. And I just think here's where we are in pro football: 
in week six, week seven, and we pretty much say this every year about a, a large portion of teams in the league. At some point, that doesn't matter anymore. And you can say but the injuries, but at some point that doesn't matter. I'm not sure before the injuries on defense that you had the dogs. You know, in fact, I'm I'm pretty certain you didn't have the dogs. Maybe Gerald McCoy. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see, right? But like, I start thinking about this, and I go, man. Whatever you're looking at, and I think I agree with you, John, that the Eagles are probably going to be a better team than the Cowboys. And you'll get a shot at two weeks to prove me wrong on that, Dallas. But, like, you want to talk about injuries? That team's had some injuries. There are some teams with winning records in this league who have had some really big-time injuries. And they're just kind of piecing it together and kind of get through it. Like San Francisco's kind of piecing it together, kind of getting through it. Green Bay had some huge injuries. They're going to piece it together. I'm going to kind of get it through. Like, you, there's enough foundation there, whether it's in your locker room, whether it's your coaching staff, whether it's the talent on your roster, to get through it and not let it completely end everything. Because I, I'm telling you guys, I do not want to do this. I do not want to say it doesn't matter. I do not want to do this podcast for the next 11 weeks in a manner of, well, it doesn't matter. Let's talk about who they're drafting next year. I don't want to go that way. But this is where the Cowboys fan is in general. A big portion of the fan base just doesn't give a crap anymore because they're they're tired of seeing it. They're tired of getting getting sold and then getting let down. And I, I really don't know how you change it. I, I really don't. But like I, I can tell you, I I really it's it's mid mid October on this season that we were thinking might be pretty good, or a lot of people were thinking might be pretty good. It's mid October. And you're first place in a vision. And I think everyone is realistically looking themselves in the mirror going, am I a freaking fool? Like the people who actually like think every game matters. Are they going, am I a fool for like thinking this? Like it, it is reality has set in that it really doesn't matter. And that is a tough pill to swallow, my friends. A tough pill to swallow. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Amari Cooper said it last night too. I mean, it was like, you know, he was asked like, you know, do you feel good about being on top of the NFC East? And he's like, we're not, we're, we're supposed to go out and win games and we're not doing that. So, I mean, it's hard. I think his exact quote was like, you know, it's hard to feel good about anything right now or something like that. So um, I, I will say this, KT, to your earlier point about not having the dogs on defense, I'm, I'm really glad they didn't do something crazy and stupid like go trade for Jamal Adams now because they are not one Jamal Adams away from from being a legit defense or anything like that so I'm really glad they're not out two first round picks because now now the safety position needs to be addressed and they could have got Buda Baker instead of Taco Charlton in 2017 but that whatever um but you know they're not one safety away so I'm really glad that you know when we look back that they didn't you know ship off everything to go get a guy I just watch this defense and I look at it and think like, I don't see this defense being just a couple players away. Like it just seems right. like there needs to be some type of a shift there. And while I don't see a lot of answers on the field and I don't see a lot of answers from the coaching staff, it's just a bad combination right now. And I do expect this team to pay Dak Prescott. And so once that happens, the only way you're going to change this defense is through the draft because as we just got done talking about, there's not any significance being done free agency. So um, yeah. it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And I, and I agree with you, KT. I don't want to just start talking about the draft either. Um, but just that's that's on my radar that they need to draft defense. And the most discouraging thing about that is that just they haven't drafted defense very well. And I, I think, look, it's way early again. There's there's way more time. Uh, in this hellhole of a year to talk about draft prospects and things like that. Um, we all know Trevor Lawrence is there. You know, there's a few other quarterbacks. I, I wanted to get into the line of thinking, though, because I did think last night there was an, one image, and I think I think I saw a tweet that might have been a little uh, misconceived by many, but there's an image on the TV broadcast where it's Jerry and Steven are up in the booth, and they kept it on him for about 15 seconds. And they're just kind of standing there, Jerry with the mask on, Steven with no mask and touch, his hands touching his face, <laughs> just kind of standing there in the suite. And you could see the question, like if ESPN wanted to have fun, they would have drawn question mark graphics above their heads. 
And they were just like in awe. Like, it's 31 to 10. The, how is this happening? What do you think they were I, thinking? Well, let's let's well, go around well, the group is, and guess. Well, real quick, real quick, let me say this. This is my tweet. My tweet goes, this is kind of a little full circle karma for not finding a way to go ahead and get a deal done. Because now you see in the first game without that quarterback what can happen. has nothing to do with Andy Dalton. This is more of a big picture uh, philosophical thing. It is interesting that all the other teams are getting deals done with their quarterbacks besides Washington. You didn't do it. And here's that image of them just going, huh? And that lost feeling wasn't all the way there. There's a little bit of feeling lost. But with Dak there, that lost feeling wasn't there. Well, it feels unfixable now without him, right? It feels like it's really going to get bad. And maybe if he's there, you're kind of going, I might be able to score enough points and sneak out a few games. But that feeling just had me thinking about that. And then this, what I kind of took on Twitter is a lot of people going, well, if you pay Dak $40 million, you can't fill out a defense. And I understand that logic, but I just don't understand how like Dak making 31 on the tag this year, all on the cap, 37 or 38 on the tag next year, all on the cap, that prevents you from from getting filling out a defense as well. And just to me, it's like there is still some question marks in the fan base. It didn't take last night. There's still some some big question marks about getting that done. And I you're gonna have to find a way to build some type of defense with him making a lot of money. You knew this day was coming anyways. And that just got me thinking about is Justin Fields a guy that Cowboys fans are gonna want to go for? It's way too early to start talking about that, but you sure see a lot of that stuff on social media because I'm telling you, I don't, at least what I'm seeing, man, there's a lot of people who are already thinking, let's just tank and lose on purpose, which hurts me because I'm a competitive person and I want to win every time I play. And I don't like that the entire fan base doesn't give a damn, but this is kind of what it's turned into. It's interesting when you see... don't care anymore. It, it's interesting when you see Steven and Jerry and that's what you think of. Because every time I see them on TV this season, I think of them thinking about the coaching staff and did they make the right decision there? I'm not saying that they are, yeah. are thinking, should we have stuck with Jason? They obviously gave Jason more than enough time to, to do his thing, but I wonder how much they've thought about, you know, it should was, a, we have interviewed more than one I was, guy. I was just going to say about, yeah, you know what? Maybe we should have brought in some more people. Maybe we should have vetted this process a little bit more. Now I will say, you know, it's not like Mike McCarthy did an interview with other teams. And so there was some concern with them that he might, sign with another team and so they wanted to get that deal done but every time they show them during when these games have gotten out of hand which is several different times um that i'm always thinking that i wonder i wonder where they're at on that and 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 that's something that frankly you know we don't get to talk to jerry right after games anymore and yeah he does his radio stuff but he's got time to sleep on it before he answers there makes me wonder what he'd say because he certainly would be getting asked about that after these games right outside the locker room when everyone's gathered around for 30 minutes or so. So uh, that that's one that uh, that I think about when they show Stephen and Jerry. You're saying that it's good for Mike McCarthy that Jerry's not doing post-game interviews? Yes, absolutely it is. No, there's zero How? question about that. And, and McCarthy knows that, though. Like, I think, I think McCarthy's probably going right now, oh, boy, you know— because I thought they were going to win a bunch of games too, so I'm not I'm not killing him here. Oh, I was, whoa, 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 hold on. Let's not talk he's about winning. And, let's no, 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 no. We're not talking about winning and losing. We're talking about being embarrassed on Monday Night Football to a team that wait till you see this season play out. Because again, like I said in the last podcast, I really don't. This is the crazy part. I don't even think Arizona is really that good. They feel so, very eight and eight to me. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like, wait until the season plays out. Do you think that the did you did you just get blown out by by the Chiefs? Wait till, no, no, nope, don't Baltimore. think that that's what happened. Yeah, yeah no. playing a Lamar. Right, I, I oh don't think God. that was the Steelers out there. Um, you know, I mean, we'll just use the Cleveland game as an example. Oh, was that some juggernaut? Because I saw they them, very I, I saw them play against well. the Steelers, and I don't know that they're that good either. So that's the part they're with not. me. If they were just losing close games, I don't think there would be any of this question. It's that you don't see any improvement and. You were embarrassed against a team that's really not a team that should be embarrassing anybody. Yeah, and not, and, and on top of getting embarrassed on the scoreboard and in that way, uh, KT, it's something that you brought up right off the top. I mean, how many 12 men on the field penalties have we seen 
in the last just game or game and a half. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. That's the kind of stuff that, you know, that that's where training camp, no training camp, is not an excuse. I mean, well, you can't count 12 people in the huddle. Like, come on, that that's that's on coaching. And I think that's where that goes back to what John's saying. I think, you know, to me, that's almost just as embarrassing as getting blown out by 21 points. Yeah, the, I think the, the, co- the coaching staff, there's no question they deserve a lot of blame on that. I mean, there's just little things that, like, you would think, hey, we're going to see some improvement from week to week where it's like, hey, you know what? Week one, there, were a little, you know, there was a couple of those too many men on the field. But you know what? By week three, that was all fixed. There was none of that. Nope, still here. Week five, week six. Do, do you have anything? Have you guys seen anything that makes you think, oh, no, 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 it, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Like, they're just working out some kinks right now. Like, we probably thought early on. I mean, there's just been so many different, like, the honeymoon's over, like, people treating the first four games like, this was the preseason, the preseason's over. Like, how many more excuses can be made for this team? Like, the excuses are done. Like, this is just not a good football team. I told you guys to expect a lot of chaos. This is it. It's all, I'm, this is it. And there's a lot of people like, fire Mike Nolan. Like, guys, you guys understand that, like, he kept Dom Capers on his coaching staff for, like, 10 years. Like, he's like, let him stay. Like, they're giving up 50 points in playoff games. They just let him stay. Like, there's chaos, and there's always a feeling that things are a little out of control. And I never get that vibe when I'm just chilling on my couch watching the, you know, the Ravens play. Or watching the Seahawks play, you know, and Seahawks actually get penalized a lot and historically under Pete Carroll. But you, you guys get what I'm saying here, like a little bit of order. Now we know it at at the heart of things that Mike McCarthy wants to call plays. You know, he's even I think got a quote from earlier in the year where he kind of said something uh, to extent of yeah, you know, I like I like Kellen plays, but he's gonna let Kellen do. It. I'm wondering if Kellen has to be a sacrificial lamb for what could be a three and thirteen or four and twelve or. Five and eleven season. I wonder. I mean, we were talking about an offense that was kicking butt, but um, I think we're going to see. Obviously, those numbers are going to fall quite a bit. Um, it's at least it certainly feels like those numbers are going to fall. And I wonder if Kellen has to be a sacrificial lamb and McCarthy maybe takes over playing calling next year, and then you're kind of more more control. And maybe that's kind of his pitch to Jerry. Look, let me run the offense. You know, I'll fix this type thing. When we're all kind of looking around, and going, "Well, the defense is the issue," and but I just kind of why would of he think, do? Why would he do that? Crystal balling. Why would he do that though? He wanted Kellen Moore. He said that even if he didn't sign with the become the Cowboys head coach, that Kellen Moore was a guy that was on his radar. So this isn't KT. Don't act like the Joneses forced Kellen Moore on Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy wanted Kellen Moore. Look, he also got familiar with analytics in a treehouse. So, I mean, likely if you <laughs> I mean, believe what barn. you want to believe. It was a barn. I felt more like a treehouse for him and Hazlitt. I'm just saying, like, that was a thing that was made to get him back in the league, and Jerry and Steven ate it up. Now, I know they had respect for McCarthy over the years. and seen McCarthy all those told losses. them in the opening press conference he lied to them. <laughs> yes, and that's what he does. He lies. I'm telling you, I've seen it forever. He will lie immediately after the game. He will just go and make some stuff up. And you know what? Never got killed for it too bad, Green Bay. Because, uh, quote, we want a ring. Oh, okay, you want a ring. Okay, that's a, that's a look. Aaron Rodgers covered up so much bullshit for so many years. And I just, I mean, he would do that for any coach, right? But there was a lot of BS he covered up. There was so much. And All right, let me Aaron ask Rodgers, you this. Let Aaron, me ask hold you. on. Aaron Rodgers would probably have more than one. He would probably have more than one Super Bowl appearance. But if you go look at all his playoff losses, those defenses were giving up 40 points. This is this ain't, this ain't new. This ain't new. All right, I have this to ask you. Mike, I have to ask you this, is. KT, because I'm surprised we, we've never gone down this road. How many years was Mike McCarthy in Green Bay? But over 10. Okay. Maybe 12, 13. If you could somehow go back in time, and when he got hired, instead, Jason Garrett got hired, would the Packers have won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and Jason Garrett as a head coach that entire time? No. Mike's a better coach than Jason. 
I'm not, oh, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just wondering because I know yeah. you follow the Packers and you obviously follow the Cowboys. Yeah. Do you feel like, because you just said that, like how um, Aaron Rodgers covered up so many different things. I was wondering if you felt like after watching a decade plus of him, McCarthy and Green Bay and a decade of, of Jason Garrett here. I just want for Cowboys fans listening, like, do you think it's on that level where like you think that Rodgers could have won one uh, with Jason Garrett as their head coach? What's discouraging for me is that Mike, who ran the offense in Green Bay for all those years, some of the things that you would see, the penalties and like just kind of weird special teams things happening, almost felt like there's a little bit, of, not a lot of order. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You would kind of see those things. Yeah, I'm seeing. So I'm seeing those he things this year. Here, yeah, that's what I was. That's <laughs> what I was like really fascinated to find out. I was like, here, surely that stuff will be fixed because he's not going to be barking at a ref all the time, and he's not going to be fighting with Aaron Rodgers about what play call is next. He's going to like, you know, all the things that we talked about hypothetically would make Jason Garrett a better coach when he quit calling plays. I thought we would see that and we're not. And that's very frustrating and concerning. Uh, So to answer your question, no, though. And I don't know, but I saw like you're starting to see a little bit from from some of the writers and some of the people who start to finally dangle it out there and I know like Bob who writes for the athletic and Bob Sturm ever we have great pieces every week here from Bob Sturm but he's a he's a McCarthy defender you know one of Bob's big takeaways and I don't want to put words in Bob's mouth but one of Bob's big takeaways is what are you gonna do just blame the coach all the time here is that what we're gonna do it's the player's fault dude there's a reason we're at the 50 minute mark of this podcast or right around there talking about the coach because we talked about the players for the first 40 minutes and the players not getting it done when on top of all of this this is this is quite honestly front office failure. Hey, you can have a good draft in 2016, and you can have a good draft in, in 20-whatever year, okay? You can have a good draft here. What have they done? I, let's put them all. Like, Will McClay's got to take some blame here, and he's a guy I like. Will McClay's got to take some blame here. Steven and Jerry. Like, this is all, all starts there first. Let's be 100% clear. But then the way, the nature that they made that head coaching hire, you would expect to have better results. And you would, quite frankly, expect your leaders on defense, who you've made them your leader, by the way, you called them that, who you gave long-term contracts to, you would expect them to at least not have questionable effort at times. I haven't questioned Demarcus Lawrence's effort this year until last night. Uh, but, you know, look, everyone's character is going to come into question when you're down by 28, I guess. I just, it's very uh, – you decided to pay the running back. And when the running back held out, yeah. you decided to pay the linebacker to tell the running back, hey, look, we'll sign guys who want to be here. You decided to have a long, drawn-out uh, contract negotiation with Demarcus Lawrence. You did that, and you now have to wear that. And look, you're not going to be 100%. You're going to miss some of these signings. But let's maybe not sign the old guys with uh, who's hanging a, a, an injury over your head, by the way. I don't blame them for yeah, Amari Cooper because that never happens if they knew they were getting C.D. Lamb. But on DeMarcus Lawrence, a guy is literally dangling a labrum injury over you, using it as contract leverage, and you gave him what he wanted. That's a loss. Yeah, and KT, uh, like, I, I don't know. The, I, I, you know, I'm not uh, – I don't want to talk about just the Zeke contract or anything like that, but I do wonder this, and I'm curious about y'all's opinion on this. Like, how often in the league do you see just a GM being in place for 25 years? And I wonder if part of that – like, look, football has has changed over the last 25 years. And in my mind, like, even when the Zeke negotiations were happening, we're talking about Emmett, the two-game holdout, all these things – and I think Jerry, obviously Jerry was part of those negotiations with Emmett, but the league is different now. The running back doesn't matter the way that it did when Emmett was holding out. And I feel like because the GM is the same guy who 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 went through those negotiations with Emmett with the with the dynasty in the nineties, and now he's looking and, and that same GM is now looking at a running back who, by the way, he also invested a number four overall pick in. I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that you know they they do get make these bad decisions as a front office because this front office is the same front office that 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 was there 25 years ago. I don't I don't have any issue with any of that, but I will say I'm going to stick up for the Demarcus Lawrence contract here because I mean he was getting double digit double digit sacks at that time, 
And I think if you would have not re-signed him, I think they would have been ridiculed just as much as they are being ridiculed right now. I mean, they're just it's hard to find double digit sack guys. And he was playing at that level when he signed that contract. I never had an issue at that time. Obviously, right now it isn't looking great. He's got what, six sacks in the last two seasons? I mean, yeah, it's look it looks bad now, but at the time I didn't have any problem with that. Like you can question plenty of the others. Yeah. Um, look, we, we got to get out of here, but let's, uh, we'll be back later in the week. Get you ready for the Washington football team. Uh, that's coming up, uh, Sunday at noon. Uh, Eagles play Thursday night for all you NFC East diehards who are just kind of tracking this division, you know, <laughs> snap by snap. Miles Sanders out, Zach Ertz out for a few weeks. The Eagles dealing with some injuries of their own. Eagles Giants on Thursday night football, but Cowboys, uh, Washington will be on Sunday. We're going to have a preview episode coming up a little bit later and actually sooner than usual because this is uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday morning. Um, make sure that you're checking out The Athletic all week long. Um, we've got Bob Sturm. will have his great content. Sod and John doing their knock-up work as they always do. Um, also, um, I think Levi's probably covering the World Series. I say that without knowing, but the World mm. Series is in Arlington. So that's a... Uh, you know, I said that without knowing. So if not, just follow Levi anyways. Good guy. Um, for our producer, Kent Garrison, uh, for Father John Machota, for Saad Youssef, that was a tough one, guys. Look, that was a tough one. But together, we'll get through this and we'll get a good game plan for uh, Washington. Uh, well, we'll get through a, this. We'll get through this. I don't know about we'll the game plan this. part. But, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, Love you guys. Everyone be safe. Be nice to each other. Go vote and uh, spread the love. Next time on another episode of About Them Cowboys, we'll see if we can win a game. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.